so what what made you have the choice was it just about you being able to pay off some of the things you wanted to and that's why you retired or did you want to be live a stress-free life or like i'm curious about is there any well, first of all things? i was tired of freaking work and shit I'm, 80, <laughs> I'm 68 feeling like 82 but uh and i got tired of reporting to people every day i we're talking 43 years and now that i'm retired i say to myself damn how did i do that that long hey listeners welcome back to this season of flesh and bold where we are following our mother's retirement journey uh in this episode we sought to have her answer why she retired so in it you'll hear her discuss changes at work difficult relationships and what she's looking forward to so Let's listen back in as we unpack that. But I I thank God that I was able to pay off some of the high ticket items that I needed to to pay off um, so that I could tell them, see you later. Hmm. And it felt good. I mean, my mission was to help students and I feel like I did that and did it well, but it's always the red tape that you have to go to and go through. And in my area, working with the federal government, it's always a change every year. In fact, it was a change on my way out. And I just did not want to deal with another change that the Fed said that we had to do. Um, Shout out to your mother for uh, seeing changes at work instead of being one of the people who are just don't want to do their job (laughs) and keep up with the changes and change management. And she was like, you know what? I'm out. Quiet quitting. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. Essentially, your mom was like, you know, I'm too old for this shit. I'm tired (laughs) of this shit. And they keep on changing things at work. So I'm I'm just going to deuce. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I'm thinking about um, in my own profession and thinking about medicine mm-hmm. when um, there was this big push to using electronic health records and notes. Because mm. back in the day, docs just used to hand scribble notes like mm. this patient, this thing, whatever. But then they really forced everybody to use electronic health records and notes. And a lot of older physicians left and said, I'm out. Like, it's mm. not worth it. I'm not trying to learn anything new. This is ruining the practice of medicine. I'm done. Um, And so I wonder, just like the skeptic in me wonders if it's like a political move. Do you think that like these different industries use these new regulations to actually push out older people and allow more new people to come into the workforce? Like they're going to have more regulations, have new products, have new things to really force them out and and shift people to retire. Mm, That's interesting. Um, Cynic in me. Well, to me, the answer is probably yes. But (laughs) if I want to not be a cynic and lean into optimism, I would say, no, that's not where the problem is. Like, because I think as technology advances, they're like, there's more efficient ways to do that. I think companies might use those more efficient ways because they can pay people less. Right, they want to make money. Or use less trained people or not have to hire people at all. So problematic for sure (laughs) but i think the issue becomes when they don't want to then train folks right or they hire new people that already they grew up with that technology Mm -hmm. right and so it's a way that folks can kind of be ageist and and push folks out um which on the other hand Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'll just say right i think about 
in academia with like professors and even in uh, uh, administration work that I think about where people have been doing this job for 50 years <laughs> and they have tenure or they have whatever. And so they're just like, did you say tenure or tenure? Tenure. Tenure. <laughs> it's that Ohio accent, y'all. Hey, they have tenure <laughs> or whatever. And they're, and they are just, it's like, dog, we need you to leave. <laughs> like, we need you to leave. So that's why I was giving our mom props for leaving. <laughs> because, wow. um, yeah, some of them people, and y'all know who they are in your workplace, and you like, you're like, I don't mind you being here, but I'm at least need you to do your job, <laughs> right? At least keep up with the changes. Right, and we probably will get into this later, but one of the things that I hate and love about my job is they force you to put a certain amount away to of um, like towards retirement. Mm. Like they take it from your check, like you don't have any say, mm. and they force it to go to retirement. I think for that reason, they don't want people to be 68, 70 and don't have anything money saved for retirement and have to stay. Mm. Like have to, you know, like she said, these big ticket items, right? Have to pay them off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so this whole thing about like changes at the workplace reminds me of, you know, I used to teach uh, career counseling theory. And so one of the counseling theories is um, person environment correspondence theory. Mm. And that's just, right, if we say we're, I was working with someone early in their career, essentially what we're trying to do is we are trying to find um, like, hey, based on your personality, some of your own traits, there are probably certain environments that uh, correspond best with you, right? Mm. Uh, that 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 fit in well, and so what it talks about essentially is that um, your work environment, workplace has requirements, and um, uh, you have capabilities. And so, if you um, and your the capabilities that you bring um, uh, match that environment and the mm. requirements of the environment then you'll have satisfaction and then mm. you'll maintain that means maintenance you'll stay mm. in that environment but um if their requirements right that they have and you have different capabilities that's going to equal dissatisfaction which mm. is going to lead to adjustment either on the part of them saying <laughs> deuces or on the part of you and so right and so i think about right as capabilities change or those different needs that you kind of brought up um, as technologies things advance right mm -hmm. um there might got get to a level based on all these other things that are going on at like mom's job where she was like like the, I no longer either have the capabilities or are willing to, <laughs> to, to develop to develop those capabilities. <laughs> so you know what? I think it's just my time to go. So yeah, that's person environment uh, correspondence theory. So when mom was talking about that, that really stuck out to me because that's something that I've talked to our students about. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I kind of think about my own job and I do feel like the environment and the capabilities are there, but at which point like those things change yeah you can either decide that you're going to change or decide that like fuck this job i don't need this shit you know like and, and leave <laughs> so that makes sense to me 100 percent. yeah so that was like mom's like biggest uh thing around that was her first i'll say thing when i asked her like why why retire when we asked her why retire she tired of shit and shit is changing but then i uh when we asked her uh was it hard to say goodbye what what do you think your mom's what do you think your mom said well i mean being there at her retirement <laughs> the last day and she had a 
cake you had made for her as Zeus basically like kiss my ass, mm -hmm. I would imagine that it was easy for her to say <laughs> goodbye. All right. Well, let's listen in to what she said. What was it tough to leave at all? I hear you saying part of you uh your work, you felt like you were wanted to help students. Mm -hmm. And so and I know that you had a lot of great relationships with mentees and stuff and students. And so was it hard at all saying goodbye? What was that like? Ooh, it wasn't hard saying goodbye at all. I, I always joked about I was going to stand on the desk and pull down my pants and don't kiss my ass. Did you? Uh, I did it non-verbally. <laughs> not having a, a, a goodbye party, retirement party, or whatever. You know, that was a message that, you know, you got to treat folk white, especially hard workers. And it wasn't just me I was fighting for. It was always my staff. Mm. And I was glad that they stuck by me, but they went through a whole lot of crap too. And I had to always fight for them mm. yeah, so that their vo voice could be heard. And even if it was heard, um, nothing was done about it until they actually left the position. And then others could see, oh damn, they really was working, mm. you know? Mm. So some of that, it sounds like though you valued your staff and the relationships you had, uh, the treatment of your staff by different management is kind of added to your stress. Oh, it definitely did. And, you know, I could handle the stress. I didn't really care about them coming at me. But when you come at people that report to me and they're coming in my office crying, mm. we got a situation. Mm. Not making grown adults cry. Oh, yeah, on a regular, you know, and folks that were pretty strong in my eye. But you can only take so much abuse. What do you think about mom's reaction? It's exactly what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't know that she wanted to stand on the desk and pull down her pants. Glad she didn't do that. We need those benefits, those pension <laughs> things from the state. Thank you, Ohio. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what I expected that she would say. She's 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 not built, nor does she want to work her ent whole entire life, and she doesn't find joy in her job necessarily. Mm, mm, for sure, that um, yeah, I'm glad she didn't too, because we need those Oprah's checks. She <laughs> she she had a good uh, state job, so uh, we definitely need it. But you know, uh, when she was talking, I was trying to like rack my brain. I, I don't know if she had many conversations with you. Um, but she did with me around, um, do you, we, we don't, thou who shall not be named. But she used to have a boss mm. um, and she used to talk about like how she would often have to intervene or mediate. Mm. And sometimes she, uh, that boss, he would come at her incorrectly, I would say for the sake of, you know, so that our listeners can understand. Uh, her boss was a cis white man who is also gay. And uh, she, he would come at her and correct. And he, she had to be like, no, you will kind of not talk to me that way. Um, and so I, I recall us mom and I having many a conversations kind of around that. D did she ever talk to you about what was going on with her in the workplace? I mean, she did but it wasn't until like the day she retired did she make it clear how bad it was like mm. i always thought it was like um 
like a love hate sort of relationship. Like, oh, I had to check him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was that like it was weighing on her in this in that way until until the day she retired and she said how bad she was so happy to be out of there and how like this reign of terror was over. And I don't think I fully got that in our conversations. And what's wild is even when um, those were brought to, um, I guess, leadership, higher leadership's uh, um, attention, they, they still hired him. They just gave him, they kept him, right? And they just gave him a job where he no longer manages people directly, which that, that joint is wild to me. But that to me is like society as well. Uh, but For certain people. For, you, your ass would have been fired. <laughs> with the quickness. <laughs> with the quickness. I remember when you, you talk about uh, uh, not knowing until last. There are often times when mom would tell me stuff and I said, you need to go to HR. Like, go to HR for documents, records, because you have higher leadership and folks saying these things that are problematic, racialized, uh, uh, gendered kind of comments. And I, and I just thought it was wild. And, sh- and she never did. And I was like, girl you have to love yourself <laughs> love <laughs> and protect I yourself i kind of also feel like even if you do like you're you're talking about your direct boss i always thought about this like when the people when the people that are supposed to like be you know your your protector in a sense or like the person who's supposed to look out for you or your boss is abusing you then who do you go who do you really 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 go to and how do you prove yourself because a lot of people don't believe you Mm. right depending on who you are what you look like like you know your position all that thing all those things like how can you be believed um i thought about this again like within the context of where i'm at and if your boss is the one who's doing harm and you go if there's no one above your boss then what what do you do or what do you do when because this happened with our our dearest Mm -hmm. um when the person above your boss is also making problematic comments, right. statements. But that's why I say go to HR, to our good listeners, go and have documents because it will probably only get worse. <laughs> <laughs> and so you don't want the first time you go to them to be when uh, you have popped off because, because of fair. all the things that have happened that's fair. that if you didn't report and they have a higher status level than you, and you are of marginalized identities, right? Mm-hmm. You gonna be the one on the chopping block. That's fair. Yeah, I think at the very least, keeping records of it, like on this day, this time, yeah. this yeah. happened. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I don't know how much will change. Again, that's right. the cynic in me, but For at sure. least you have documentation. So at the very least, if your ass gets fired, you have a case. <laughs> you got a case. <laughs> you got a case at the very least. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, and when mom was talking about uh, what really stuck with me um, was her sharing that folks would come to her office crying. Mm. Your mother and I have a running joke that she says that she is also a counselor, and I'm like, show me your, show me your oh, certificates, your papers, Here whatever, right? But needless to say, I think it's important for the sake of saying this is that many of the people that were reporting to mom were also black women. Yeah. Or had a also marginalized, uh, historically traditionally marginalized identity in society. So also gay men, gay mm. white men reporting to her, um, uh, 
folks who are younger in the workforce uh, that may be devalued in certain things. And so um, there, so I think that's important to note because one, right, we've seen many studies that talk about um, the lack of uh, people of color uh, and other folks of marginalized identities holding higher uh, leadership roles and them being in kind of the low middle management and lower roles. And so I think that also existed here. Mm. And so I do think there's a, a racial dynamic and component that's at play that probably our listeners know well about. Um, and I think we've, we've covered we've talked about employment and wage gaps and things that exist. But I also, um, in hearing mom study, I was curious about what is the workplace treatment um, uh, and discrimination among different kind of minority groups. And so I looked at a study uh, that was done by Fugelden, Adelman, Charles, Kershaw, Stafford, Howard, and McDonald that literally looked at the prevalence of workplace discrimination and mistreatment. They call it the acronym WDM. Uh, they looked at, which I think it's important to mention, a national sample of older U.S. workers. Essentially, uh, the workplace, the prevalence of workplace discrimination ranged from a high of 25% for Black women, mm-hmm. surprise, surprise, mm-hmm. and a low of 11% for white men. Um, and then, uh, in general, uh, black folks reported um, a 60% higher rate of discrimination as compared to white people. Women reported a 53% higher prevalence dis- uh, and of discrimination compared to men. Um, and so, like, like, and I bring this up to say intersectionality, right, is always at play. But these experiences... Uh, we know that they're happening, and they're happening pretty prevalently among everyone. And so I'm not surprised that because of the um, identity of mom's coworkers that those were the experiences that they were having. Mm. I mean, I was also thinking about, um, I was trying to think back to my business school days. I'm glad I'm done with that. Um, but I was thinking about two things. One was the sort of network effect. It's not the right word, but it's like, when a central person leaves, mm. right? So mom, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, right? Like that had all of these people that reported to her, people of marginalized identities, who she, you know, like she created this bubble for them. For sure. In this area where they could like still work in kind of a hostile environment. Mm. But she provided like some sort of protection, counseling, whatever you want to call it, so that they could still work there and they could still be effective. And, you know, the question is, what happens when those central nodes leave, mm-hmm. right? If they go to another job, a lot of times people just follow them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure what exactly happens when they retire, when they, like, exit the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do people just go to different places? Are they able to stay put? Or what happens to those, like, central nodes? So that's one thing I thought about. And the other thing I thought about was this kind of equity theory, which is, like, you know, people are um, always thinking about equity and always comparing themselves like to other people with in the workplace. So mm-hmm. if you're talking about like pay versus mm-hmm. like recognition, mm-hmm. like who's being recognized, who's not being recognized. And I just thought about that, too, when you think about these marginalized identities that are being discriminated against. So even if their output is super high, yeah. if they're not being recognized, if they're not being paid appropriately, then again, they are probably more likely to like leave and so what happens what happens to our society when we've got bright people that Mm. are being discriminated against that exit the workforce Mm. 
right? Um, our, our GDP, right? Um, what, our, what our economy is able to do is going to be less efficient because we have less brilliant minds working towards that. That's the problem with discrimination. People think it only affects marginalized identities, but actually it impacts everyone. Econ 101, shout out. Hey, um, I'm just <laughs> giving snaps, snaps for, for the, um, the doll, the, the, the queen, <laughs> the king, the everything. Yes, give us a word. Um, I, I also think people might hear that she had a boss who was gay, right? Mm. And things like that. Um, and I, I want to, once again, I think about intersectionality, uh, hmm. right? Who that person may at times not have been a buffer. But I also know that mom worked with gay white men um, who reported to her. But it was always, I, I think it's interesting as uh, queer identities and gayness becomes more acceptable in certain spaces mm. in society, how then um, they those folks are able to access their privilege mm. more w- within their other identities. Because mom also talked to me about like disrespect she had from reports who were gay white men. Mm. Um, and so I, I think it, it's important for us to think about um, the intersection of, of, of all those identities, mm. right? And how those come across because sometimes that workplace discrimination that folks aren't experiencing aren't just coming from, uh, and, and mistreatment are just, aren't just coming from the top. They're also mm. coming from, you know, uh, horizontally or uh, or um, from the people that report to us. Mm-hmm. But, um, right, uh, queer folks uh, experience their own kind of harassment and treatment. Sure. And so I know that mom was trying to be a buffer with that as well. But, you know... Gay folks can be problematic too. There's absolutely. been there's been studies done that you're absolutely was a little too. Was a I mean, because black people, yeah. everybody, you yeah, know, like no. everyone, we're all Where's raised it? in this milieu. So no, yeah, everyone can be problematic. But there's been studies done. There's there's not a lot. Don't that, try to come for me. <laughs> you got that? There there um, uh, it's not a lot specifically because I have had experiences with white gay men at leadership, which have been. Uh, Shout out to their queerness, but the whiteness and, and manness does does be coming through. Um, but, you know, and there hasn't been like too many studies about uh, when they're just experiencing the workplace, but also mm-hmm. um, like from uh, mistreatment, but also how they um, exemplify or perpetuate kind of privilege mm-hmm. and mistreatment. But there have been some studies done that I, since we're on the topic, I just like are listeners to consider that, uh, right, when we think about intersection, gay men uh, discriminate against uh, feminine gay men, and that happens oftentimes Mm. in the workplace. Um, And so there are different kind of um, ways in which there, once again, this is an intersectional issue, and I think one that your mom definitely felt. Um, And I know that you talked about retaining great talent. I know that one of mom's closest, closest colleagues ended up move into a different office. I think at her encouragement, right? Yeah. Like this is a hostile place you should leave, yeah. right? And maybe part of that was she knew she was going to be leaving soon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I remember, and I don't know how early this was, but as early as I can possibly remember mom working and talking about her previous boss and saying that he was a gay man. And she's like, I don't know why he thinks gay and black is the same. <laughs> I just remember her being like, yeah. he thinks he can, he, he thinks he can relate to me because he's gay. Mm. And obviously, you know, like you said, gay folks experience their own yeah. discrimination and their own um, um, 
path right yeah. in the workplace that is that is riddled with like discrimination and bias and prejudice and so on but i remember her making that comment thinking like we have something to talk about because he's gay and i'm black and we don't mm. like he still can move through the world as mm -hmm. a white man for sure especially yeah and she said unless people tell unless he yeah. tells people yeah he's a white man right. you know so he doesn't necessarily have to hold on to that yeah. marginalized identity unless he does unless he wants to right and 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 meaning and i don't know she didn't say it like that at the time but essentially like she he thinks we can be buddy buddy um because we're the same and mm -hmm. now as as she went through her career she continued to make kind of references to you know um, him moving up and him being able to get things mm. that she wasn't able mm. to get necessarily. And so I find that, I find that interesting. What do you think about that? Like, should the marginalized people like stick together and, and, and fight the power, fight the system? Or do you really feel like in the U S it is race and, um, gender that is the, the, the privileged status. And so even if you hold these other marginalized identities if you have the golden ticket so to speak in the united states being a white mm -hmm. man it doesn't matter yeah so what do i think um i think <laughs> i think privilege is privilege and rooted in power and it's hard for people to recognize sometimes they're privileged when they have a marginalized marginalized identities mm -hmm. and and the only reason i'm saying that is because i think there will be always some misunderstanding or a difference in prioritization and needs. However, one thing that I will always say, and I truly, truly believe, mm -hmm. when we raise uh, the voices and the experiences and implement the needs of the folks who are the most marginalized, mm -hmm. it raises the water for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you decide who's most marginalized? Uh, I. I I would center, mom the white gay men think it's them. I would center <laughs> I would center uh black disabled trans women. Mm. Um and I mean the list could go on, right? Uh but I have found the spaces where right um those folks have been centered, right? Uh everyone's needs gets met. Uh, uh, at least a lot of people. And I'm seeing it now in the work that I do when we think about kind of uh, like disability, like these are the needs of folks living with uh, disability and accommodations are often the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. um, but everyone would kind of benefit from like, why, um, why aren't there always captions on videos, mm -hmm. right? I mean, how many people that may not have a disability that has been identified, uh, right? are watching Netflix, watching their shows with captions because- I watch every show with Exactly, captions. and I, can, I can't go back. Literally every single I show. I can't go back. I have no idea why, but I absolutely need to watch it with captions. I can't go back, right? I don't know if it's age um, or what, but I love it. Yes, but I'm just saying, and right, that I, I just say that point because I feel like a lot of people can connect with it, but like if that just becomes the norm, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it, it's beneficial to many people. Right. And so that's, that, that's just my point of, um, Right. If if we stop centering those uh, identities that have retained and been given power in our society, I think everyone would benefit. Well, e even those people, right? Right. That that hold those right privilege identities. Um. So those were, you know, your mom <laughs> talked about it. It 
wouldn't be hard to say goodbye. But <laughs> truthfully, she did mention a couple of things that she thought she would miss. She would miss some relationships. But I think for her, like if y'all were close and tight, y'all gonna be close and tight. And so that's how she feels. So so like she yeah. said, they know where I live. We don't need no party. Exactly. If they down with me, they know where I live. They can come and say happy retirement to my face. Literally. I said, oh okay. Yeah. So she said she missed that and the like just vibrancy of living, being surrounded by uh, uh, on a college campus. Mm. Yeah. Um, which which I get because that's one of the reasons I enjoy my work as well. So it wasn't hard necessarily for your mom to say goodbye. She will. She will miss some things. Um, but she also, we also got to hear what she's looking forward to uh, with her retirement. Do you think you will have any issue trying to maintain some of that vibrance as you move away from that campus and some of the, and those good relationships that you develop? Not at all. It gives me time to redevelop um, things that I was doing in the evening that a lot of my friends do during the day because they were retired, like line dancing and a Zumba and spinning. And, you know, the group that's line dancing, they go from city to city. So it gives me an opportunity to actually hang out with uh, my workout partners. Hmm. What What are you... I think you gave a little glimpse of what you're looking forward to. Can you speak a little bit more about, and it's been a month? It's been two, two months, months, actually. Yeah. And I did have a hot girl summer. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> so I haven't looked back on that. So I'm trying to continue and build on that as well. Keep on moving, keep on going. Yeah. Been to a lot of cities and uh, I'm still on the move. I'm booked to... New Year's. You said booked and bu- busy, baby. Booked. Tickets booked till New Year's. <laughs> you said fl- getting flued <laughs> out. So what are you most looking forward? Is there anything you haven't discussed yet that you're most looking forward to about retirement? Getting the opportunity to um, enjoy a relationship that is blossoming mm. and spending time um, with my significant other mm-hmm. without worrying about signing in checking in i can do whatever the hell i want to do and i can go wherever i want to go when i want to go so it's on it's on full blast are you are you saying that because the last couple of months when you was working you had to make sure you your green screen was on but you was but you was still talking to your side as you were quote unquote working from home just to not having to do that you know i have to tell myself in the morning down you ain't got to be green today. Mm. You ain't got to sign in. Yeah. And it's a good feeling. It's like a, I don't want to say burden lifted off of me, but damn, a burden kind of, because, you know, you got to be accountable. And I'm, and I've always been accountable in my position. Mm. Had to be. Yeah. As you said, you're working with the federal government, can't mess right. with the feds. Exactly. So, is there anything? So, that's what you've enjoyed about your retirement so far. Is there anything you're looking forward to that you didn't mention other than your boo thing? You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. I'm looking forward to spending more time with my grandson, oh. my children. Um, I can hop on the plane anytime I want. Yeah, you'd be doing that. Yeah, and I've started to do that. And feel free about it mm. because, you know, I can take him to school, go to his games, I can stay, 
in Chicago three, four weeks if I wanted to. I mean, it's all open game. Yeah. What kind of decisions, hard decisions maybe, or decisions because now you're retired mm-hmm. are, are kind of big decisions that you feel like you're going to have to make or you're kind of grappling with? You know, I've been blessed and, and I thank God for that. And I've been able to project in what I need to do. Um, and again, my thing has always been real estate. So making the real estate I already have work for me and build on that. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to building a business, working for my damn self, mm. earning some, you know, how do, what do y'all say when you're stacking money? Stack your purse. You're trying to get your bread up. Yeah, that's right. You're right. But count your coins. To, look, count my coins. Get the bag. And pack my purse. Okay. okay. I'm trying to do all of that and, and do it at my leisure and enjoyment and the process, okay. whatever it may be. I'm looking forward to the journey. Mm. And I never thought that I would be blessed with a significant other to share that with. Mm. So I'm looking forward to that journey too, because in my eye, I thought I had to do mm. it alone. Mm. I, you know, I've been divorced since 2000. So we're talking 23 years. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm looking forward to the journey. And I'm going to hit it in the mouth. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because that's how I roll. <laughs> we get it. You got a boo. That's great. Uh, yeah, they're all in the mouth. Not just the boo. My business plan. Uh-huh. Me moving forward. Trying to make money. Yeah. You know, I can do it all in peace now. Oh, we're in- Not just the boo. Are you going to get married again? You talking I about hitting it in the mouth? getting married again. For sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want another check. Stop playing. What does that even mean? What another check. Mean? That, what does it mean? It means another check. Period. You said a dual income household. Hey, I ain't had that in a minute, y'all. Oh that shit feel good. Are you scared? Does your paycheck count as income or is Not it a retirement all. check? So no. you just going to take his check? Oh, yeah. I already said that. Yeah. From the jump. I got to spend your money. <laughs> and if you got a problem with that, I ain't the check for you. Hmm. Yeah, so it's understood. Okay. Yeah. Well, what is understood doesn't have to be explained. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you, y'all got it worked out. Right. We yeah. do. Every time your mama has these kind of um, love birdie feelings, <laughs> girl, I, I have to, <laughs> I have to stop myself from sharing my immediate reaction. She said, "You're fine with it. It's just me that I'm the problem." Apparently, oh, yeah. Devin was fine with it. That. The first day he met him. Oh, gosh. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, your mom, these are a lot of things. Your mom <laughs> shared a lot of things that she's looking forward to um, in her retirement and time to come. And, you know, I'm excited that we'll get to explore some of those things in a deeper level uh, this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I hope that we can also dive into, like, things that helped her get there as well as things that, prevented her from getting to um, retirement. Cause I don't know, I would guess that 68 is probably older than most white Americans have to retire. So mm-hmm. I would, I would want to think about that too, but also thinking about what do those things look like after retirement? Like mm-hmm. what does marriage look like? Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you have all your money stacked, mm-hmm. you, you joining, joining incomes and whatever, yeah. um, you know, and being, being financially wise about stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see where this journey takes her and takes flesh and mold.
For sure. Well, your mom left us with one more gem about what she really wants us to focus on. Okay. Uh, one of the themes of our episode. Um, so, you know, Nia and I will be following your journey through retirement for mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. Are there any topics you think you want to speak about um, during these episodes? Yeah, I guess one of the things I would like to tell folks that are younger Make sure you plan while you're young, mm. you know, plan your finances, you know, how, how is that going to look, look, because I talk to a lot of young people now that don't have a 401k from mm. the job. The job has always matched mine mm. and I've been blessed with that. So what it means, if you don't have one, you need to double up mm. um, because things are more expensive. And if you're like me, you don't want to change your shopping habits. You know, I still want to shop. And so uh, in order to do that, plan, look for, look what you're doing. Be real careful about your finances. Mm. Um, That's what I would say. Okay. So it looks like retirement preparation is next. Until next time, listeners, stay most about your job um my students some of my colleagues that i became close to that actually became friends mm-hmm. um probably that atmosphere it's something about a college atmosphere that makes you feel young and mm-hmm. vibrant you know seeing the young folks walk around going to the gym and they're there and just the hustle and bustle of the campus itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.